Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Roundup. The rise of initial coin offering, in short, referred to as ICO, is presenting a promise of level funding field for not only innovators and startups to raise necessary funds in cyberspace with just an idea for a product or service to be delivered in the future, but also allows anyone with an aspiration to be an investor the ability to invest desired amount very early on in digital funding initiatives. Now, since billions have already been raised using ICOs and ICOs are global in nature, it is important that we understand not only the rapid rise of initial coin offerings, but also understand what the rapid rise of ICOs will mean to respective nations and its current funding systems. This is especially important as there is no global consensus that provides safeguards for investors anywhere across nations. Understandably, there is a growing concern by many nations that these investment opportunities could be dangerous scams and should be looked upon with suspicion. While there is a growing concern that the ICO bubble is about to burst, there are many, many investors who continue to flood into ICO's market in hopes of making a fortune. To discuss the risk and rewards of ICOs further, I am delighted to welcome Ransu Salover to Risk Roundup. Ransu is the CEO of Token Market, an exchange and research platform for tokens of blockchain technology projects. He is also the CEO of an investment company, Revoltura. In addition, Ransu is a professional trader and head of European trading at Unam Investments. Ransu is based in Gibraltar. Welcome, Ransu. We are so very honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Hey, great to be here. Wonderful, Ransu. So, as many nations seems to be so concerned about ICOs, let me begin by asking you this very fundamental question. Are ICOs legal across each and every nation? Uh, short answer is, is no, not not uh, not everywhere. Like, you know, the uh, Korea has now put, South Korea has now put some limitations there. And then there's a full-on ban on ICOs now in China. And then in America, they are considered, they are legal, but they considered to be securities offerings. Yes, very true. Now, as entrepreneurs continue to take advantage of ICOs across nations, what are the risks and rewards do you see ICOs bringing for investors? Well, of course, uh, last year it, it brought a lot of, uh, lot of wealth around because I think it was something like uh, like an 80% return was an average return. And, and our, we, we did, we issued 300, over, uh, like about 300 million worth of uh, ICOs that we managed for our clients. And then those um, were, are now trading on their two, three billion valuation. So that's 10 times up. So of course, the, the reward was, uh, was um, significant uh, over the past year, but so are the risks. So this is very experimental way of funding a company and very experimental way of, uh, of investing on those tokens. Yes, that is a great potential. You're absolutely right. Now, with the promise of any specific product or service that is proposed through a white paper to solve any problem, I mean, there are so many different problems that entrepreneurs are targeting uh, across nations with the you, by using the power of blockchain. But there is still a concern that how to hold those innovators or startups to those promises because anybody can write uh, a white paper. I mean, that goes also for the business plan uh, that, you know, 
is used to get investment from you know venture capitalists so that is it goes on irrespective of whether it's ic or ipo the basic you know pr- promise in the proposal that is submitted to the investors that is where you know the biggest uh, evaluation that needs to be done so when the you know so many investors across nations are worried now that this ico investment craze is almost a bubble even in wired magazine uh, there was an article in last year that the bubble is about to be burst so uh, how do you you know convince the investors or whether that there is a way to convince investors that this is not a bubble well it um there's a, there's a two things there's, a, there's of course the rapid growth like a massive growth of some sector which which is here and then uh as we saw on on uh, ethereum and bitcoin values of course they were in a, in a sort of bubble because they are now half of what they went on top uh, in the end of last year the top um top numbers were so always when when a lot of uh, investors suddenly come to the new market and new car- market is very hard to read so it's hard to analyze these companies there's a chance to uh, um, or very hard to uh, say where the value is and last year it was very much um white paper based investing so so there's a startup guys like you know one two three few founders white paper and that's how they raised money so now the market has quickly evolved from that to 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 where these companies that we work now we work on on about 10 ICOs currently one going actually live within within 2 hours um uh, and these ones are now established startups with already seed funding in place they have a team they have a legal um, advisory so they all have a law firm doing all the terms and conditions and everything and they have worked months and months already on a, on a, not just a white paper or but also on prototyping and coming up with the actual products so the market has shifted from from last years very early states like a, that the ICOs are a replacement of of seed funding almost and then suddenly the company gets a, you know 10 million 20 million or something and they have never gotten funding before they it's it moves to this where now the the companies are more mature and we see it almost more like a, like a replacement of a round a I see. So that that the market is evolving, and uh, that is a good news for the investors, and that they can, there is a way that they can look at more data, you know, that is provided by who is on the team and uh, whether they have a proper structure to their company, and uh, what they are proposing is is there a feasibility that the product or service would be able to, you know, they will the entrepreneurs will be able to meet those goals. So I'm glad to hear that those. Uh, there is an evolution in how the companies are the investors can evaluate these uh, entrepreneurs and the startup companies but because icos are largely not regulated by financial authorities there is also concern that the funds if uh, any investment fund is lost due to the any fraudulent initiative it would never be no i mean the investors would never be able to recover so as investors are having a hard time telling the difference between investments and fraud what would you tell the potential ico investors that what should they look for you just gave some points about that you know now the market has evolved and it is more than the white paper they are they are looking at you know whether they have a legal team whether they have a proper advisory board they have proper structure to the company things like that so in addition to that from investment perspective what would you tell the potential ico investors what they should be looking at 
Well, the, the, of course, the, it is that, that you should never invest or buy these tokens. Like these are, these are, if they are app tokens, they really are not investment. They are, they are purchases of the tokens that you can use in the application later. So this whole uh, investing debate always goes on, and uh, and um, many law firms advise you not to use any word of investments, not any promise of a, of a future appreciation, because that appreciation happens then on the on the third party exchanges when the token trades on that on those, you know. So so of course now the first first thing is that you have to understand that this is experimental sector, experimental way of you know investing. And uh, you should never spend, never put more than you're willing to lose. Yes, yes, really. This is not a replacement. This is not a replacement for stocks and bonds, or or do, doing any kind of you know buying ETFs or any mutual funds or stuff like that. This is this is where you take from your if you're a portfolio manager or you manage your own money. This is where you take you know depending on your risk appetite, you take you know one percent to. 10% of your investable money and you go with that and then you spread it over to many projects and you study the projects, you read them, read them, um, blog posts, uh, articles on the, on the forums and everything, you know, and talk to people and that way you make your decision. But it's, it's definitely spreading, spreading it and, and uh, buying so little that if you lose your money, it's not the end of the world. Yes, I think that's an excellent point that you made that, that this is not a secondary market trading. This is more of uh, angel investors or venture capital kind of investing opportunities. And uh, you ha investors have to evaluate from that perspective. Now, for investors who are looking for investment opportunity, it is important for, I mean, rather, is it important for them to know the differences between each ICO and the tokens they offer? Because there are many different types of tokens that are being offered. It could be utility tokens or asset-based tokens. So what, how? Asset-based asset asset tokens are then full-on securities. So currently there is no secondary market for those. So if you buy security tokens that people now talk about, and, and we also preparing for securities offerings, everybody has to understand that that, that is then uh, like you know, next next generation now on ICOs, and currently um, the exchanges that are doing app tokens, they are not regulated to trade securities. So that requires now new regulatory uh, regulatory approvals for many of these exchanges before that happens. And until then, if you invest on a, on the tokens that are securities, then those those are basically illiquid assets. Because you cannot trade them. I see. I see. No, that that's. Uh, I'm glad to you know hear about that distinction. Now it seems that ICO is where a cryptocurrency goes public for the first time. All these tokens are are they you know evaluated as a currency or are they? Uh, what is the structure and what is the basis of evaluation whether any of this token, utility token or uh, security token or asset-based token or equity token, how are those distinctions made? Well, that's that of course goes uh, like on every investment, on every early state investment is always done on the basis of the promise from the future, the future need for that token. Like look at Ethereum now. Ethereum is used you know, to, to execute a transaction on uh, Ethereum uh, network. 
right? So that is a that is a very kind of tangible use. And uh, and since there is a certain amount of Ethereum tokens only in, in you know ethers in the, in the world, then that makes it that uh, that there people count on that that there will be always a demand for those tokens. So it's it's a very much you have to look on the future because these these companies are they not even supposed to because this is not stocks or bonds investing so there is no balance sheet to look or anything like it doesn't have to do anything with that it has to do with the with the tokens uh, uh, future usage and because of the usage the value goes up if there's a lot of demand for the token to be used then of course many tokens can start to live a life of their own as a tradable assets like a kind of a new asset class Yes, yes. No, I, I hear your point on that. Now, I mean, we have uh, witnessed over the years that irrespective of cyberspace, geospace or space, I mean, there are always criminals there and there are always crimes, you know, being committed. So how do criminals manage when we talk about the ICOs? How do they manage to issue coins or tokens without anybody being able to see the scam? Well, this is, this goes to this goes to everything in life that you know you can you can make now online you can make a lot of stuff very convincing just by creating a sleek looking websites and and putting their people's pictures and having advisors and everything and and writing something that doesn't you, you know you, you have no intention of executing right so this is the, this is a general challenge of anything that anything that you put on the internet anything that you see on the internet you have to take like you know it's the same as the fake news you have to take it with a grain of salt and decide what do you believe and what you don't but are there any indicators from token sale that can raise a red flag to investors is there anything that seasoned you know investors like you or you know people who have a lot of experience that they are able to see that whether this token that is being offered or this cryptocurrency that is being issued whether there is you know any base to that or whether this is genuine or it's just a fraudulent scheme is there any indicator that we should be looking well, at? There's a lot of indicators for that. Of course, there, there is like, you know, when you read their like white paper, which basically describes what their business is going to be and how the token is going to be used, then you always, the first, first question that you have to ask is that, is this doable, what they say? Can it even be executed? So you have to use kind of a common sense here or then not, not just the common sense is enough because we talk about very technical stuff. So then you have to have a technical knowledge or you have to ask around. The great thing is that there's a lot of these telegram groups and, uh, and uh, uh, different kind of crypto forums online where you can go and see generally what smarter people than you on that subject say. So I always, like there's, there's, no, there's no way to just look at the white paper and look at the people and decide that's good. You always like have to do more in-depth research and we like you know when we do we've done now uh, over 30 ICOs that have raised as I mentioned that over 300 million dollars so then um, and and those tokens are now you know still trading well even though that the market is today on the, on the uh, slump but uh, on, on these ones of course then when we work with the, with the uh, startups we do the full-on due diligence on them so we, we make sure that the people are really behind that we you know talk with the law firms we, we check all these things so of course it's um like you know kind of that job is partly ours to do just like on the angel investing of course angel investors and venture capital firms they do the similar due diligence to, to the projects before they take them on or before they invest um and then um 
there is no like you know to your question there is not one two th three few things that you can look of course you have to the very basic things is that you go and you look at that do they really have a company is it can you find it on a company's house then can you find these people on linkedin are there are there linkedin profiles saying the same thing as they are saying on the website I see, I see. I hear your point on that. Now, uh, we know that these cryptocurrencies are based on distributed ledger technologies and that is uh, what enables anyone to purchase or transfer their cryptocurrency holding to any other person across nation. Now, that makes it very complicated because this is global in nature. So if there are few nations who are you know, banning ICOs and uh, banning cryptocurrencies, then how do you see these... Uh, working the nature the very nature of the ico uh, working across nations and what is the nature of the regulation for icos that uh, entrepreneurs or investors need to be mindful about as they issue ico you know across nations yes so so on this one of course there is and there won't be anytime soon probably never a global overlying regulation of course this will be country by country they will do the decision maybe at some point EU makes an overarching, like EU has a securities, uh, most of the securities law is harmonized across the EU. And that's why you can issue uh, stocks and bonds uh, European wide. So there's always countries that will, you know, ban cryptocurrency out of, out of and, and tokens out of the fear that, the, you know, the black market and all these, or that they just want to be on a control of monet monetary stuff and control of the uh, stock market and so forth. But uh, there's, a 200, there's 200 countries in the world, so the, I see this much more as a great opportunity for startups to raise money globally, then because the investor base is, is global, you can actually now, even if you live in, in India or in Finland, you can now invest on the on same, uh, you know, same terms as someone from, uh, from uh, UK or from Spain or Germany. On great companies that are that are coming from those countries, so the global access to to startups is a, is a fantastic thing, and that will hopefully you know the next Googles and and Apples are funded this way, and then these people are on for it from the beginning. Oh, absolutely. This is uh, it is leveling the playing field because you know so far only very few privileged one will be able to get investment from VC firms and uh, uh, even irrespective of whether you know there are brilliant ideas you know or entrepreneurship uh, available or startups you know from across nations. So this is leveling the playing field, which is amazing. But let's say you know the China has uh, you know banned ICOs. Now, if there are investors in China who want to invest in ICOs. How do they go forward? What kind of legal framework will be available for them to be? No, well, they, they are still their legal. So the, now it is that they are basically we need to block them out. So our so our tools when investing on ICOs have a now block that you cannot invest if you come from China. So they cannot invest. The investors cannot take invest. part in ICOs. That's that's that's. that's uh, their country's decision, and we, of course, always respect if we know that that something is uh, is illegal in that country. That's our job, then to respect those um, those local laws. I see. I see. I was uh, under the impression that 
they don't want china doesn't want any icos to origin in their country but i was not aware that they do not want anyone to invest in icos that are offered across nation because this is you know changing the you know playing field because uh, the, you are excluding i mean the china is excluding their entire country not to take part in any of this uh, uh, initiatives that are happening across nations so they they will be missing out on Uh, exactly, but the problem there was that in China there were so many scams, and it was it was more of a gambling there, and then even went further with the kind of a mindset that if you invest on scams, it's like haha, you got fooled, stupid you. So that's uh, so they um, they in a way I I see the Chinese. Um, authorities point here that it went so crazy that you know if 80% of ICOs are scams which is not at all the case generally on the, on the, uh, on the quality ICOs uh, then they have no other chance they cannot just start picking out all these uh, bad ones they have to basically stop it all then come up with some sort of an uh, feasible you know feasible um, regulation and then work with that one and then then launch then kind of accept it or or you know allow it again yes no that makes sense if the 80% of them are scams and that is a cause of great concern it seems russia is also banning you know icos completely if we look at russia and china and i believe south korea also they they are they banning they, these countries ban a lot of other stuff as well so they are not exactly they're considered to be human rights experts or you know good places for human rights or anything else so it's kind of fits into their profile in my opinion that they they do that sort of things and then you know when you look at the, we look at the western countries then here they said more of the um of a, you know good policies yes japan is, japan is doing that i visited there in january and met the met the uh, government people and they were they had a you know great approach they were they were taking a careful approach to exchanges so they basically they give exchanges licenses now and and they are limited to licensed exchanges are limited to 50 to 20 uh, top um, cryptocurrencies and then now they're looking into ICOs and other stuff so they you can do it and many countries are now doing doing it exactly right then on the forefront there is place like a Gibraltar where we are based and our headquarters is and now Gibraltar already started in the beginning of this year came DLT license and DLT distributed ledger technology regulation so there you already are like you know we are in the pro- process of uh, of uh, applying for that license and uh, so are many other top companies there's like 30 40 companies now worldwide um top notch companies that are applying for the license because they want to be under good regulation that is for forward looking and quick on setting it up so that you don't have to wait for years yes yes so no definitely so it seems and it seems Switzerland is also very open and liberal about ICOs uh, United States is a little strict but you know they are still open and you know they want this innovators to go forward but, but ICOs cannot be done now in uh, in America because those are then con- considered securities so that then you would have to have a broker dealer license right and you would have to get a approval from SEC but for utility or, or the utility tokens are still you know acceptable right Yeah, they they acceptable if they are full on utility tokens. But this um, uh, situation with SEC evolves all the time. Like you know, then came the SAFT agreements, safe agreement of future tokens. 
and now that one is kind of moving moving away slowly and uh, uh, so in America it's still um, accredited investors can invest on ICOs but the public ICOs have not happened now since since uh, you know some months true true very true now, what about india i don't hear anything about india have are they banning the ico market or cryptocurrency or what is the that I, we have uh, we had a one client that has a has a big uh, footprint in uh, in india which is kasha and they did a great great fundraise somewhere there between 17 to 19 million or something like that and uh, um but they're, they're, they're also the, like, you know, government has put the restrictions there. So it's not, it's definitely not as, uh, uh, as bad as, uh, China or, or South Korea, but it's, uh, they are clearly working there on the regulation and trying to figure out in what way they should let everyday investors invest or buy tokens. And that is always the question is that, that on every country, basically, well, not in China, but every country, then accredited investors, professional investors can invest. Because yeah. they everyday investor and protecting them from scams and from going on a gambling mode and putting all their savings on some ICOs, that is the that is the every regulator's challenge to protect the investors. Yes, it is a big challenge because at the, if you allow everyone to become an investor, and I hope that you know someday we uh, reach the point where anyone from across nation can invest in whatever they want to invest. Yeah. But that that brings security risk. And here I'm not talking only about the uh, whether they you know gamble all their money or those kind of risks. Those security risks I'm not talking about. I'm talking about the computer literacy because these are digital tokens. And if this you know uh, if this uh, population or the investors who common day you know average man if he invests and if he's not you know computer savvy doesn't have enough uh, knowledge about how to protect themselves on computers well, or, you know, then it, it's a big risk because you're you know they are becoming themselves like their banks and they have to provide the security now you know they can be hacked and these tokens who owns the tokens yeah. or uh, whether you know that can, that has any identity you know tag to that we don't know that so anybody can steal all those you know uh, cryptocurrency or tokens that are uh, on uh, anyone's computer if they don't know how to download that or you know keep the wallet secured or put it in cold storage then they will be losing everything that they have sa saved you know in their life so there are very complex security challenges that we see with cryptocurrencies and ICOs if if you know everyone gets involved in this because computer liter illiteracy is a big problem well now there's a now there's a, like you know two different things that 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 needs to be always counted in one is a investor protection as um you know um so that um, there's only good ICOs they are somewhat regulated and also educating people that they don't they are not stupid and put all their life savings on one deal or try to get rich so of course that's that, but this then goes down with that one that this is experimental investing. This is same as crowdfunding, same type of investing that you should always um, use every like be very cautious. But then comes then comes the security part. Okay, now you ended up buying tokens, and now comes a, like a technical um, security of the tokens. And of course, there we know that uh, that these transactions are. Um, 
not reversible. So, so we we are we have to always have a top-notch security with our wallets that where we hold the tokens and the way that we handle them. That when we you know send them to exchanges or or you know travel with the laptops and every all that kind of stuff. So this this security, if you it's very it's the same as overall your your um, online security. It is that you have to take these steps and and follow them and you know the, with the passwords you know with the with the virus scanners and everything and how to manage the how to manage the passwords and these passphrases and everything you can you can easily you can easily learn those from uh, online from the you know even youtube videos but how to do it correctly and that way you are relatively safe well, let's hope that, you know, everyone is uh, willing or curious enough to protect themselves and take all the necessary steps. But the anonymity of this, you know, market is also a big concern because... Well, you, it's not anymore. It's not anymore? No, because it, is, it, it has been always a concern. But now all the ICOs that we, we do, all of them are KYC. So, like, for example, we have now in, in an hour and a half, we have a autonomy... ICO going live, and there we have whitelisted in advance 50,000 people who want to buy tokens. So they have already done the KYC. They have given the you know their passport uh, information to us using a proper KYC systems. So although all those people's identity will be tagged with the tokens, number of tokens that no, they have. No, no, no. They, they when they get the tokens, then this this money that the company now raises. Is as good as raising, you know, dollars or pounds or anything like that. That we know the identity of the uh, of all the all the buyers, and then there is also also for larger amounts. Then there is AML processes in place. So if, if they, if the buyers of those tokens, if they transfer those tokens to someone else, will you uh, be able to see that that these tokens have been transferred? No, that is the that is of course the strength of a. Of a cryptocurrency that that, that these uh, these trades can be done, and uh, so the so then they go to exchanges and stuff, and then of course, just like you can you can give a you know dollar bills, you can go to go to bank and get completely fair dollar bills, and then go and start to do uh, drug deals or something like that with it. But that's where the security risk emerges too. So if we, if you know the identity of all those people who are buying, all the investors who are buying these tokens, why not to create digital identity tags so that if the tokens are transferred, then that uh, uh, trail is known because that would create yeah, a secure environment. Yes, but it is. It is more of the. It's not. It's not tag individuals. So the token, all the tokens are the same. So they are fungible. So they are the same tokens to everybody. They don't have any tax. They don't have any information attached to them that who is whose. They're not numbered in that sense. And that is the beauty of it. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's what makes it so great, the system. But then at the same time, now we are working on this. That we, are, we use a KYC and AML as an as a ICO platform. Then exchanges, all the you know, leading exchanges are now, they have a, they have a, uh, some sort of KYC in place, or they will have shortly because they all gonna get regulated, and then that's gonna be the, the same uh, KYC anti money laundry regulations that are now on a, on a banking and on a game online gaming will come in place. Very similar ones. 
So it, it's a, it's a kind of marketplace participants' job to do um, the KYC on these changing points. We don't want to become the, the global like a big brother system where everything is uh, everything is named that okay, this is your dollar or this is your token. No, I mean, not at this point, I understand that. But as we go forward and this becomes more and more popular and as it disrupts the entire investment field, I hope that there is a way to, you know, see the trail of where this token goes, who owns it, where it is transferred. Absolutely. So so we are working now on, on the security tokens. So these will be basically uh, shares of a startups. So let's take that as an example. So soon... Our belief is that um, that uh, not every company can issue app token because that app token doesn't make any sense. So then they can go and use the, exactly the same method as they do now with the ICOs. They can do but do the um, share offering, and then when they get those shares, they have done the KYC and they have become now shareholders. Then there's they have a dividend. And voting rights, right? Or there might be restrictions. So all this can be managed very transparently um, on blockchain. And then, for example, dividend payments only only goes to uh, tokens that have been that are under you know KYC and have a, have an owner. That, so that, you, so that, you can, I can still give you company shares without any registration, but you don't, before you do the KYC for it and become a recognized uh, um, owner of the tokens, then you don't have rewarding rights or dividend rights. I see, I see. So no, that that's a good development and that, that uh, there are, I mean, so I was under the impression that there are a lot of these tokens that are issued that they don't give you the equity of the company or you don't part of So today, Today, app tokens, it's very important for everybody to understand that, that, that uh, app tokens today are basically one of the five exemptions to securities law. They are in-game currency. That is like on, if you play World of Warcraft, it's just these uh, goldens or goldens, they are exactly the same thing. Or then they are closed-loop payment system, where like you go to amusement park and at the you get tokens at the door and then you use them for different rights. Or then they are loyalty program, air, air miles, all that stuff. Or then software license or straight out donation. So yeah. this this is the current, current ICO tokens basically needs to be one of these. Then if you start to pay dividend or royalty or anything, boom, it's not an application token anymore. Now it became, it's a security. I see. So uh, who is responsible for ICOs currently? I mean, do you see across nations there are any institutions that are uh, managing the ICOs or who are responsible for ICOs? Well, well, we manage the ICOs for, we have now done that for 30 clients. So in, in, but we are, we are technical. You do, you do for the clients that come to you. But what about... Uh, uh, every other ICO that is being issued. Well, this is the this is of course the problem because this is not, not the problem, but this is it's not a problem uh, that that of course you cannot like um, regulators don't want to generally regulate stuff too early. But nobody expected last year that suddenly 
uh, ICO market is going to be 5 billion. So it came kind of, it grew up super fast. So then it's, it's uh, now a catch up game to come up with the regulations and, you know, buyers protections and all these things. But, but this happened so quickly that it, there's, it was much better that it happened this way, that then someone would have shut down everything in the beginning of last year and say that, okay, everything needs to be regulated. This innovation that happened over the past year or so has been, has, in my opinion, much outweighed the, the risk and loss of the money. This has been a super important time in the history of, uh, of uh, small and uh, medium enterprise funding and the way that uh, technology, technology startups and, and even technology works in the future with the blockchain has been a super important, like a kind of a breakthrough time of, of getting us to the next level and having a, um, having a globally funded companies and global investor base. Yes, no, absolutely. I mean, we don't want the go- unnecessary government regulations come and, you know, restrict the growth of any innovation or any innovative product or processes, including the way we raise funding through ICOs. You know, so this is disruptive. The whole model is disruptive and it's uh, probably going to eliminate venture capital someday, if not immediately, eventually it will, because it, it will give power to, you know, every individual who want, who believes in certain projects or, you know, uh, certain technology or uh, initiatives that they will be able to invest. So the dependency of getting funding only from selected few organizations is going to be eliminated because of this disruptive, you know, uh, ICO offerings that we are seeing in the market. So yes, we do not want very strict regulations or, but we need some some sort of accountability and ownership and responsibility and it comes from the self-regulation. Yes, self-regulation. I hope it works because, uh, I mean, in principle, it looks great that yeah, let's all self-regulate, let's all be responsible, accountable. But human nature is human nature, and you know, there are always criminals among us who wants to take advantage, and uh, they will, you know, when masses are, are going to be involved in uh, a moment like this, you know, we have to be very cautious whether self-regulation is going to work. But let's talk about the role of government. What role? Do, I mean, if we are talking about not just regulatory agencies but even the government itself what role do you think that the government will need to play in the coming years if not now uh, what role well the, i see that the role is exactly what's happening now on, on these jurisdictions that are advanced now and, and looking into whole you know digital assets meaning you know app, app tokens and then then tokenized securities and then cryptocurrencies so so the of course, there will be, it will be very similar to online gaming and uh, and banking, kind of a mix of mix of these two, in many ways. But it will be everyday investors, and at the same time, the, the amounts of the of the deals can be very high. Like now, we've seen these billion dollar ICOs and so forth. So I think that the regulators now need to now need to just um, follow up quickly with with basic stuff, you know, these KYC, AML requirements, of course, banks will get um, uh, upset and want to close down, you know, all the all the competing platforms like uh, blockchain um, if they see that that's uh, um, unfairly stealing their business. But if, if blockchain startups and all this ecosystem now gets KYC so that you cannot say, that, oh, that's just a money laundry place. Um, then there is not much that the, that the banks 
can do. They can, they just have to innovate together with us. So yeah. that you can basically genie is out of the bottle. Now we just have to control it, and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fantastic new um, uh, kind of a financial world there. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, there is a great potential and there, there is a great promise. But if we are able to manage the security risk that comes with this, you know, great innovation and the great process that we have, uh, you know, we are developing, then we'll be able to get amazing, you know, benefits and amazing rewards. But there are still a lot of variables that needs to be evaluated and managed uh, so that, you know, the investing community, especially the common man, that they, they don't, you know, uh, lose everything that they have but let's talk about the structuring of icos how can we break down the any ico from concept to commercial offering what are the steps that will be involved and what uh, the entrepreneurs innovators need to be mindful about uh, so so uh, what do you mean like you know what how do you break it down in them? let's say for example i as a innovator or as i have some idea about uh, security risk uh, and I want to issue some, uh, I want to in, raise, I, I want to issue ICO and uh, get some funding from the global community who uh, have, have the shared vision or shared, you know, principle or the parallel goals that I have or as risk group has. And they want to, you know, invest into what we are doing. So, this is just an example, not that I want to go for ICO, but what then I have that idea, but how do I take that idea and what steps I need to cross or what steps I need to manage to be able to issue that ICO and start getting investment from uh, all the stakeholders across nations. Yes, so, the, so it all starts just like any other startup. You know, you, you need to have a business idea that solves some problem. Okay, so the business idea is, is, the, is on the heart of it. You're like, you know, okay, what, what, the, what is the problem that I'm going to solve? How am I going to solve it, you know, more cost efficiently, quicker, better, easier than anyone else has done? So you, you really like, you know, your positioning. Why do, you, why do you think that your startup should exist when there's, a, you know, millions of startups in the world, right? That's, a, that's always the starting point. So you cannot just skip that and go straight to the ICO. But then once you have figured that out, then you have to think that, okay, how is my company um, linked? And, and uh, is, is it a blockchain-based company? Will I have my own blockchain or will I you know, use something like uh, Ethereum? And then do I need a token there? Can I do the same thing? So you cannot just say, oh, we, I'm going to do a, a bookshop and start to sell books with my tokens. Because that, is, that can be done with a PayPal and Visa and MasterCard and and Ethereum and, and Bitcoin and 600 other cryptocurrencies, basically, almost. You can use to some platform to, to buy something. So that is so you need to have then a real need for why your token needs to exist. So token model. And token model is where, where most of the companies then struggle. That they, and token model can take months to create. It's as much, it can be as much work as the actual business plan to come up with a good token model, how many tokens should exi exist, what is the price, and then most importantly, you cannot just say that the, this replaces a dollar, for example, on the platform, because then it doesn't have any speculative value and nobody will invest on it. So why why should people then bother to invest on it on ICO 
because the usage will go up and um, and there will be more demand and there, therefore it can go up 10 times or 100 times. So it's very difficult to now on the current market to come up with a, with a good uh, token model that people believe on. I see, I see. So is Ethereum the more popular platform for uh, issuing those uh, tokens? Yeah, so, so while Bitcoin is, a, Bitcoin is like a digital currency and, uh, and a digital gold in that way, the, the, the biggest um, biggest of its kind of its kind then ethereum is has a smart contracts and these smart contracts enables the, all the token strengths and everything creating these um, um, kind of a rules based um, based um, tokens so how much time from an idea from a concept to you know issuing ICO to commercialization what is the time frame we are looking at does it well, take Last year, people did everything super quickly. They, they went from from uh, from white paper to to ICO within within weeks or or few months. Now all our all our ICOs currently are they work on the ICO six to twelve months. So that, that's more reasonable because you don't need that much time to evaluate everything properly. Few weeks. Yeah, what do you evaluate in few weeks? No, exactly. So so you have to. So so now our clients. They work first on the white paper, then they work with the law firm on the terms and conditions, and then with us on the strategic advisory and and uh, you know token models and and when to do a private sale and when to do a public sale and all these pieces, and then they start to do the first normally the private round, and that that can take alone three to six months. Yes, yes, no, that that uh, that's yeah. a nobody, nobody goes anymore straight to straight to public offering and just believes that the people will buy. They, you always have to make sure that you have an initial traction. If, if the, so to say, yes. hedge funds and venture capitalists and these, these people are accredited investors, if they don't believe on your deal, it's very hard then to convince anyone else. Yes, very true. No, that makes sense. Now, when we talk about these ICOs, are they a means to raise funds only for Cryptocurrency ventures or any any kind of project or any venture can be found. Well, it, it, it is too early for many of the other projects, and and so we really focus now on the, on the blockchain innovation. So our startups that we work with, they all have a have a blockchain in a way or another in the heart of their business. It's uh, then then you would have to come up with a, something like CryptoKitties, which which was a huge success, but that is a different story. Um, so, so my my saying is that we're still on the early stages of a, of a blockchain innovation. So now we're still building kind of fundamental services and and very much on um, on um, uh, on on this sector. And then when we go more, more to to just a general commerce, I see that that's where the security tokens comes in place because the app token doesn't make sense for most of the most of the non-blockchain-based companies. Yes, no, I understand that. Now, how do you determine if a token is a security token or a utility token? What is the uh, process that uh, helps you determine what well, kind of token would be it this? Is, it, is the, it is really the job of a securities lawyers. Oh. So then, the, then the law firm, law firm always uh, looks at, they basically write, write it off as a, okay, this is exemption to securities law. This is fine. But 
general rule on that one is that if you give any, if you do any security features, you know, of course the Howey test is one in America, and but then if you if you promise interest, dividend, uh, or royalty, or more tokens because you bought some tokens, you know, all these things then makes it pretty much a security. Yes, yes, now I understand that. Now, are With, there any... Sorry, go ahead, please. Yeah, so, 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 but this is really that, you know, we only work with the companies that have engaged law firms that have an expertise on, on token sales. I see. So that's a prerequisite that they have to go through all that process before they come to you. Yeah, and then, then we work with the law firm. We hear from the law firm that, okay, this is now all cleared and only then starts token sale. Before law firms clear it off, nothing, nothing no money is going to be raised with the with the tokens using tokens i understand now are there any guidelines available for designing tokens and how to create structure the sales for those tokens because we see, we see so many complex challenging uh, challenges uh, you know arising because of the uh, faulty token design or you know faulty process in the sales absolutely so absolutely so, so there's of course there's a, there's millions of 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 Things that you have to not millions, but there's tons of things that you have to have to count on. You know, what is the token price? How many tokens you're gonna issue? How how many tokens you're gonna keep for the company, for the team, advisors, so forth? Then what is the different? Uh, if you have different uh, uh, pricings there for on on a, on a different stages of the sale, and then of course, how does the how does the token function? What is the what is the use it? Do you use it for some sort of a um, voting, or is it a, is it that you need one token to register something on a blockchain? So we have, like you know, there's a tens of different kind of token functionalities that can be then matched and mixed depending on the, um, on the case. Yes, on the platform that they can be used. So it really goes on the platform first. What is the platform's functionality? How can you integrate? Token to that black plat, uh, platform's natural flow that how people can interact there. So, how many platforms are there other than Ethereum? Is there uh, there a lot of platforms or uh, just well, very- I, now when I say a platform, that every single startup is in a way platform because when they when they create when so so the so when you create an app token, that app token is functionable on your business. So then you generally have a you know we call the some sort of a platform on, on in your business where that token is used. Yes, very true. Now, uh, any idea, any of this project that wants to issue ICO, I mean, they because it's a digital world and it's, uh, it happens in cyberspace, there is a, always, people say that it's advisable that you build a community of users and stakeholders that would be interested in this because it's basically global in nature. So while these... ICO, it allows us to build an ecosystem of users and stakeholders based on this integrated token that provides utility to users and payments and the service providers and all that. What what are the risks and challenges you see emerging as the market matures? Well, the first of all, like every company that, that does a successful ICO, they have to have a community of users or community because the, because the platform is not usable yet, community of interested people who are looking forward to to, to that um, business to launch, right? Or the platform to launch. 
So it always starts from the community building. You you cannot just like you know average average um, ICO that we have done has between two thousand to eight thousand investors or you know token buyers. Let's call them token buyers. Then um, those guys have to you know you have always already have to somehow engage them in order for them to take their Ethereum from their wallet and give it to you so that so that they get the, they get in exchange tokens. But you don't always see that, right? I mean, you see a lot of these companies I see, you know, even in America, there are a lot of, you know, these initiatives popping up where they uh, get really excited, get few people, you know, together and they start, they want to start, you know, the process of issuing ICO. And I don't see that ecosystem that they have developed where, you know, there, there is a passion. Those are the ICOs that fail. If they don't, if they don't attract people's interest, Nobody's going to put the money in. Yes, that, that's the cause of great concern. And I see that, you know, I'm witnessing some ICOs that are being developed right now. And I, I don't see that ecosystem behind them, you know, and I don't see the passion from the global community to, you know, be part of something, you know, that they're trying to build. So I see your point in that, that that probably is the first step that you do need to have that ecosystem. You don't need to have that shared goal, shared purpose. And, you know, have a community. you need to have some sort of a community. So it's, it's the same for any business. It's not just an ICO. It's just, if you start on any business, you start a bike shop in your town. Of course, you, you, you would not start a bike shop unless you know that there's a group of uh, cyclists who, who sees that there's a demand for another bike shop. True, but this is different because, see, so far, venture capitalists, they, you know, would take an idea and they would turn that into a uh, company and they would, you know, invest in those uh, ideas. But here, even if you have an idea, the investors, uh, the people who are investing, they're not all very smart, savvy investors that they could see the behind it. So this is a very different kind of investment and very different kind of uh, ownership here. Yeah, so that is always the challenge on a on a equity crowdfunding or like you know crowdfunding equity crowdfunding everything you know yes. uh, it's um, it's it's there that when you ask a lot of like you know instead of going to venture capitalists and asking for 10 million or few few venture capitalists then you decide to go and that you ask 2 to 8000 people for the same same money right yes or similar money because this is it's from venture capitalists you normally get take you give equity away here you give tokens away, so it's not it's not necessary. It's not one to one comparison in that sense, but um, but of course then um, it is it is um, like a kind of everybody's job here to become more savvy. That in the beginning now anything goes and people invest and anything went up and people thought oh I'm a great crypto investor. Then when the market goes slump, everything goes down and and they start to see that oh businesses don't work. So then um, suddenly everything is more risky. That it, of course, it was risky from the beginning. Like even on the startups, what is that? Seven to seven to to eight, seventy to eighty percent of the startups fail. Yes. Someone even says someone even says that it's a ninety percent that don't see five years five year mark. So this is definitely not any different. This is not live. No, very. Uh, 
I mean, from that perspective, it is not different. You are right about that, that, you know, ideas can fail, you know, irrespective of whether it's funded by VCs or whether it's funded by, you know, common men, ideas could fail. And that is why there is a need for organizations like yours and mine and everyone that can look at the different risks, look at, understand what are the, you know, whether what they are saying, the promise of uh, technology that they are promising or product or service, whether that is, you know, feasible. So that feasibility study, it always goes, you are right about that. And there there is no other way to go around it. But because there is so much distrust right now for ICOs across nations, some, you know, legitimate, some, uh, it's just, uh, there is a scare tactic going on across nations because this is disruptive in nature. And whenever there is disruption, the status quo wants to prevent that. So there is a lot of uh, fear about these ICOs and there is a lack of trust. So how would you or your organization go around to bring that trust back to ICOs or to bring that, give that enough confidence to not only the entrepreneurs, trust, innovators, yeah. but investors? So the first of all, the trust is, is not gone. The trust is gone from the, from the overall, like individual, like, you know, today we're launching an, an ICO that has a 50,000 people have, have gone through the tr- trouble of, of, uh, uh, of doing the KYC for it. So clearly they, they are trusting that the starting point of this ICO is good, right? So, and, and then the, about five other deals that we work on, those, all, those all, all have already some millions in from the venture capitalists or angel investors or early token investors. So, so there is still trust, but the trust is it's our work and, and the startups work um, to to make sure that there is something to to trust to, you know that, that all the these building blocks, uh, business model, token model, team, initial funding, and legal support are all in place. So without those, of course, you don't have the, the like you know you don't have the uh, you don't have a case to go and and do an ICO. Yes, you need now all those, and then you also. So you need now working prototypes or more advanced um, plans than just the white paper. So the ideas don't get funded anymore. Yes. Now that is a good that is a good development that you don't want to just uh, invest into something based on a white paper because white papers don't have all the answers. So. Uh, what is your organization? You had the organization token market. What does your organization do, and what role does it play into this ICO ecosystem? So, so we do everything from then from in the beginning strategic advisory before the ICO. Then we do all the ICO technology. So this way, startup, you know, who is doing most likely just one ICO ever then they should not develop their own software and smart contracts and you know token issuance um, tools and everything. We have the whole stack of tested uh, ICO of, of tested ICO technology that um, including KYC processes, bounty programs and bounty programs and such. So, so this is the this is the one of the most crucial things because now this technology is the one that will then together with the with the wallets and vaults and multisig multisigs there behind this is the one that then will manage the funds that comes in and manage the tokens that goes out 
and make sure that the right people get right tokens. So this is, in my opinion, one of the most crucial things of, of the ICO. If this fails, everything fails. Yes. So, so you provide the complete solution for anyone who has an idea. They can come to you and you not, you not only provide the technology, but you also provide the services of escrow account and, you know, legal, uh, whatever yeah. you need to go through. Yeah, we introduced the law firms. Yeah, we introduced that we work closely with the law firms, you know, in a, in a different jurisdictions. And, um, and of course, then we also help with the marketing, with this, you know, these community things. So there's a lot of things that we have learned out of the, you know, 30, 30 ICOs. And we are now, we have three offices, uh, Helsinki in Finland, then London and uh, here in Gibraltar. And these together, then we have 30 people working on these cases. So you have your blockchain also and the smart contracts and everything? No, we use Ethereum. We use Ethereum. So we have, we have uh, developed all our own uh, smart contracts and then, the, then that works on the Ethereum network. And then, and then importantly on this, that you, you cannot come to us with an idea because we get still 10 to 20 ICO requests a day. And we pick from those, we pick three, four max a month. I see. So we, we're very picky. So the companies uh, have to be on a, on a, on a certain level to, to enough to impress, impress us and not just to impress us, but we, we kind of have a, now the, um, good networks where we, where we figure out that are, are these deals feasible. Yes. So you have your own feasibility team and process uh, to go through that screening. And then you decide whether you want to pick that uh, ICO or not. So about how much, how compliance, much... Officer in house, uh, compliance officer in-house who may, uh, make sure that all the, uh, all the funds and everything is done on a compliant way. Looking, looking forward to that, that we're going to be regulated. So we already act as a regulated company. I see. That, that is very really good to know that. Now, when if someone comes with an idea to your organization and you decide to take that idea and, you know, to help them, you know, get through the ICO, how much does the whole process cost? You know, what is the nature of... Uh, uh, well, this, is, this, this then goes that, uh, that we don't take any uh, advance payments or we don't take any retainers we are we are we take a percentage from the token sale as our commission so we are on the risk together with the with the startup oh, that that's really good yeah. that's so we, we take a we take a few percentage on that de de depending on the deal and this is the this is why we also have to be picky because then otherwise we work three to six months and if if nothing happens on ico we don't get paid that makes sense. Now that so you are you are sharing the risk as well as rewards, and that's uh, that's a good way to go. You know, initiative. Absolutely, because this this then enables us to, for example, uh, on the ICOs that we see that are not ready to go live, then we can postpone it, and we can tell the startup, okay, let's let's spend now a couple more months on fine tuning these things. Like you know, let's build a more community, let's fine tune the. The initial um, the, the white paper, or let's let's uh, look for more um, cornerstone investors. Yes, and that is the that is the you know uh, the kind of um, calmness there, and and taking your time with the ICO and not rushing in is the recipe for success, definitely. Very true, very true. So what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners, and especially those who are concerned? 
about not only the rapid rise of ICOs, but those young innovators and entrepreneurs who are so passionate about solving big problems that our world is facing uh, at any level, you know, at the global level, national level, local level. What would you like to tell those young innovators who are, you know, uh, having so many ideas to solve a lot of problems and where especially these kind of ICO tools that they, everyone needs funding. So how, what would you like to tell them that, you know, how they can go forward? Well, the, the first that they have to know is that starting is easy, finishing is hard. It's easy to start a project and be super excited about it. But then when the tough times comes and it takes months and months and months to fine tune it, find investors and fine tune your your business model and start to work, find the team, start to work on it. It requires patience. It is really, you know, the really the thing that it's easy to start, easy to be excited in the beginning. Everybody is. So you have to be willing then to push it all the way to the end. That's the first thing. So think very carefully. But then that said, I think that, that now there's more opportunities than there has been probably ever like those like these disruptions on uh, anything from you know banking finance um any kind of these you know networking platforms then there's everywhere there's there's opportunities are left and right so also pick your opportunity well you know don't don't go and and, and start another loyalty program platform as those are like you know the kind of quick ideas that everybody gets so think really, find where, where there's a real market and then test it. Then go to go to some venture capitalists that say uh, that hey, I don't need your or some other smart people and they say that hey, I don't want your money, but I want your your uh, advisor. Is this feasible? Yes. Yes, very true, very true. So thank you so much, Ansu, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on ICOs and more importantly for you and your organization's effort for leveling the investment field. Our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the understanding you provided on the current state of ICOs and how to structure ICOs. So even if a single individual or entity can understand the complex security challenges facing the ICOs and prepare themselves or protect themselves based on the understanding they received from this discussion we had today, this Risk Roundup Dialogue has been of service, and we thank you for that. Thank you very much. It's great to talk to you. Wonderful. So uh, with the rapid rise of ICOs, it is important that investors are mindful of the potential risk involved in uh, some of the fraudulent ICO schemes that we see across nations. Risk groups, cybersecurity, geosecurity, and space security risk research centers are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk-facing NGIO in CTS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secured for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together 
For more information on the Riskrandovs to watch the Riskrandov videos or hear the Riskrandov podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree, host of Riskrandov, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.